This is a Fubar Radio podcast. Go to fubarradio.com for more details. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Hello and welcome to a new edition of Screen Talk. Ladies and gentlemen, we've started the show again a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago and we have yet to have a member of the family in the show. <laughs> uh, but he is here and it has brought a, a warm glow into the room. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome James Gill back into the studio. That's just one single I'm clap. I'm going to join in. Yeah. Just I really need to learn your MC skills, don't I? Because that didn't create... You are so good at MCing, can I just say. We did a charity gig a couple of weeks ago. You really know how to just get a room going, don't you? May I just say, if we're going to do this mutual ball wash, <laughs> that uh, before that gig, you were terrified and you didn't want to do it. And, and then, lo and behold, he was... Dan was so awesome. Oh, stop it. But Dan's worry was that the gig was going to go so well that it might lure him back into comedy. Yeah. A bit like, you know, that sweet, sweet last kick of heroin. Yeah, and it was. And I want to put it to you, you you must be coming back to comedy now. I am definitely thinking about it, yes. Yes. Oh, I haven't replied to your message. No, you haven't. No, I will do a... I can't do that night, but I will do a new material night. Beautiful. So there you go. Um, Let's crack straight on to today's subject. James, you and I have been biting our tongue well, you less so uh, about our opinions on this list that was uh, released yesterday, I believe. Yes. This was the uh, the BBC asked 200, 250. 250 critics. If you've seen The Great Escape, you'll know the bit I mean where Steve McQueen goes, 250? <laughs> and that was kind of my reaction when yeah. I saw this. 250 film critics. Yes. To, from around the world. From around the world. Really, they mean America and uh, England, <laughs> probably, and Britain. Well, given um, the, Jerry, the Jerry Lewis, uh, given the way Jerry Lewis figures, I imagine there are quite a few French, because Jerry Lewis, God rest his incredibly talented yeah. soul, was that almost a god in France. So he was huge in America, but in France, the guy was what is it about revered me? as something like profound and special. The French love rubber-faced comedians, they don't really they? They really do. They don't love they. They do you know, my show, my show was, is big in France, and I'm like, is it, am I doing... Yes! I, I am but quite you, physical. You are. But, yeah. you're, you're, but I think you're more of a, a physical comedian than you, you realise. Than you're I want to be. Facial, no, no, I, I love physical comedy. Your facial expressions, the the, the physicality, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. God, we're really, we're really yeah. loving each other today, aren't we? <laughs> um, but So they released the 100 greatest comedy films yes. ever according to these 250 critics which is a lot actually because normally like when people put a list together it's not that many but 250 that is a lot of people and you and I are quite shocked by a lot of these lists I think I'm going through the different stages of grief <laughs> you are a Cause, bit because you were the, angry earlier that's for sure. I was you were sending me absolutely livid fr- oh. and a lot of exclamation yeah, marks very fruity language I mean the first point I want to make before we move on to um, like the certain films that you feel are unfairly included and and not included my point is and this was the thing that became apparently abundantly clear immediately was how few films from the last 15 years or even like this yes century yes, are in that hundred list and i got my producer who very kindly went through it and double checked i think maybe just once That's I got don't know. and she counted that there are only 10 films from the last 15 years 10 films from the last 15 years out of a hundred that's incredible which does slightly back up my theory that we are living in an age that isn't particularly ripe for comedy movies. I would disagree somewhat in that I think we live in an age where there aren't many critics who know how to review comedy. Okay, so that's your big gripe with this, okay? Yes. Yeah. Now, there was one critic in particular who is wonderful, but there was a, a, there was a film I love, I think it was the... I think it was it wasn't the forty year old virgin, it was knocked up. Mm-hmm. And at the start of his review he said something like, May I any women listening, I would like to apologize on behalf of men everywhere. We are not like this. A lot of comedians feel this way because we work in comedy and we care so passionately about comedy. When it does come down to comedy, we do know what we're talking about, I think, and we do know what is funny. And there's been a lot of really funny movies in the last 15 years that have taken quite a hammering at the box office. Uh, Sorry, hammering uh, from the critics. They've done well at the box office, but they're the movies that if I want a good laugh, I will sit down and... uh, For example, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, I think, will be remembered as a classic comedy. That film still holds up now much better than a lot of films on this list. 
I, and it's not in the list. I couldn't find it. Yeah, no. you know, I'm not as big a fan of the Knocked Up and and uh, I actually weirdly quite liked Funny People, but um, oh, I, lo- I, I love yeah, Funny People. See, that was one they, that got. They, they totally fudge the ending with. They go a bit Richard Curtis with the rom com ending. The first half of that movie is tremendous. It's wonderful, and, and Sandler, it, it, in my opinion, and you know I love Sandler. I thought he was like troubling the the Oscars. I thought he was that wonderful, and yeah. then the second half it goes. A it's bit, just a different film. It's a totally it's different, a different movie. Film. I wish they'd done. I wish they'd seen it through all the way with a uh, with a film about a comedian and ego. That was yeah. I mean, it's such a beautiful film. And then well, the second half, you're like, oh no. Well, I I love the forty year old virgin. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant pitch perfect. Hilarious, comedy. great, but, great storyline. You know, but just, it is about a guy trying to get laid. I know you could say it's about more than that, but it's a guy trying to get laid. And there's you know men in their forties who's just smoke pot and not really doing much with their lives and I don't think critics know how to review 100%. films like that you know? now, this because is, what's it about they've got nothing exactly, to so hang, on, hang on to their review with so Dan and I have this list of 100 in front of us mine is printed across 5 p- pages of A4 I think with a lot of these movies there are some real chin strokers on, on here call me old fashioned I like my comedies to make me laugh. I like my comedies to be funny. Yeah. Now, number two on this list is Doctor Strangelove. I, I'm well aware that I would get assassinated for saying anything negative about Stanley Kubrick. I'm not saying it's not a beautifully made film. I watched it relatively recently. It's really well acted. It looks terrific. Was I laughing that much? Not really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's number two on the list. Now... This, I mean, this is sacrilege. I'm about to say, if I want, if I want to be made to laugh, I would pick Happy Gilmore with my hand to God over Doctor Strangelove. So I'm going Sandler over Kubrick, right? That Not is, many people have said that out that, loud. But, no, um, that is. But that my is, list would be markedly different. To this I, with comedies, I think you should be laughing out loud. The issue here is there are a lot of people who are clearly. St- out of this 250 critics in their 80s and still remember the first time they saw Duck Soup because I'm sorry like uh, look Duck Soup is a brilliant film but there's some other films from like the 40s and 50s and you're like well are we just sort of is it a bit rose tinted I think it's very rose tinted if you put if you've got those 250 critics in a cinema now and you whacked on I mean, let's say broadcast news. I mean, James L. Brooks is, you know, he, he, he may well be a genius. Will it's it, not that. It's not that it, hilarious. Will it kill the room like Borat would? No, That's absolutely the thing. Not. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't. But here's the thing, because like some of the top, the top ten is, let's just quickly do sure, this. Yeah. Uh, number one, uh, this is from one to ten. Some Like It Hot, Doctor Strangelove, Annie Hall, Groundhog Day, Duck Soup, Life of Brian, Airplane, Playtime, and... This is Spinal Tap and The General. This is Spinal Tap, one of the all-time greats. I'm surprised Airplane's on there when you consider the rest of the list. I agree. Because that seems a bit like... Great to have such a gag-heavy movie in there. But the thing is, is... I think what what's happened is the critics are going what are well made movies. Yes, I agree. They're not going what has the funniest moments in it and what makes an, a whole room laugh. They're going Annie Hall is an absolutely incredible movie. It's so clever. The ideas. It's you know it, it still but holds would, up would now. It, would it make a room of laymen? crack up like I don't know like Bridesmaids for example which is on the list so that I went to go see Bridesmaids the first night it came out the cinema was packed you know the room was, was rocking with laughter and I would seriously question whether most of the films on this list would have that same impact now the critics could argue ah but we are picking the greatest comedies we're, we're, we're not picking the funniest comedies but I would say fuck go. off <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I'd like to see that conversation take place um, I mean so that's what I'm thinking here with a lot of these these uh, but then you do have quite high up on the list Python films um, you know Mel Brooks films which are silly and, and very funny and funny and bawdy and but you know the, the, I, the, if I can just drop one name the, the one that I've been building up to and I've got and I, the fact that Planes, Trains and Automobiles isn't on this list because it's a beautiful film I can film. see tears in your oh eyes oh my god <laughs> I want to I want to get in that room with those 250 critics and go what were you thinking yeah. it looks great the script is joyous the chemistry between the two is terrific it still holds up now and crucially it is very, very, very funny. I've seen that film easily double figures, yeah. and it still makes me laugh. And I, I, you spot little bits in it. Every time you watch it, like a great work of art, you always notice something different. I, I love that film with all my heart. And the fact that that's not on this hundred, I just, what are these guys smoking? Um, it's weird that Clueless is in this, because yeah. it feels like a very middle-aged white man list of uh, And then they let my wife have a vote. 
Wow. She loves that movie. She, she uh, loves okay, that right. movie. Um, but it, it feels like a chin-scratchy movie critic list, like you said. And then there's... And then there's something about Mary... Well, yeah, I mean, there's like, that's, I mean, these are all great, fi- well, m- most of them, I, I believe, are all great films. It's just, it is weird that, like you say, so many I mean, things have for, been... For example, take The Royal, the Royal Tenenbaums. Again, he's a beautiful film. It looks great. It's classic Wes Anderson. I don't remember laughing too much. Yeah, I sort of did laugh a bit, but... Yeah, I laughed a bit. I got I, They got a couple of chuckles out of me. Yeah. Tops. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, like, even Pulp Fiction, obviously, probably in my top ten greatest films of all time, but would I... I if I said to you, give me favourite comedy. comedies, and you said Pulp I Fiction, I'd, I'd go try again. It's such a bizarre... I guess this is the thing, is, like, when you're... You know, it comes down to the thing that you have a bit of a beef about, which is, how do you review comedy? And, and it's the same... Ho- um, my, produce- my producer's going mad that Home Alone isn't in there. I thought of Home Alone because Home Alone is genuinely funny. We re- rewatched that at Christmas. Oh my goodness! Uh, for talking funny Christmas movies, uh, Bad Santa. Oh my god, I love Bad Santa. So if you, a few, and I, I, all right, I know these are broad, but I would a few I've picked out from the last ten, twenty years. That's Happy Gilmore is hilarious. Dumb and Dumber isn't on the list. Forty Year Old Virgin, Planes, Trains, Coming to America. I, I couldn't see on the list. I could be wrong. Brilliant. And film. then the original Meet the Parents. I know the sequels are, are, are bad and they almost uh, damage the original. But that the, f- first? the first Meet the Parents yeah, yeah. movie is so funny. It is actually. Gee, I've, I've watched that film since I first saw it when it came out and kind of more critically with a bit of sure. a critical mind on it and gone, no, this is like note perfect. Like the fact that the first, not the bit where we first meet him, but when he first arrives to the house, that it plays out in almost real time for about 25, 30 minutes, and just how amazing the tension. Cranks up the tension. Oh my God. It is the the camera up the the, uh, the ashes. um, It's wonderful. Another Ben Stiller film that I I think is hilarious, and I've I've watched it several times, Mm -hmm. is uh, Dodgeball. And all the way through, that's good. Couldn't cope with that. Really? Yeah, really didn't like I it. I think he's he's so funny in that I didn't movie. Like it? No, sorry. I'm also not big on Sa- Sandler. Sandler. No, sure. I mean, I kind of. He's don't. made a movie with Noah Baumbach. Yes, which, which does look amazing. It, you know, it's some I mean, best I do like him in certain things, but as a sort of, if if he had a brand, I'm not coming to it. And then, like, if I whereas I'm wearing the t-shirt, whereas you're wearing the t-shirt, <laughs> you're outside giving flyers. Yeah, I'm not into the brand, but there are uh, odd films of his that I really enjoy. Wh- which ones do you like? Uh, the Wedding Singer, I really oh, liked. Just um, perfect. We mentioned funny people. Uh, name me some others. The Water Boy. No. I don't like it when he does the really silly, weird voice. That's the problem I have. I don't buy it. Sure. Well, Little Little Nicky was his first proper hiccup. Yeah. And that was because he was doing such a... It was so far removed from yeah, yeah. the brand, if you like. Uh, what, what else? Like, I'm surprised that The Party is in this, which I love. I mean, if you haven't seen... It, it hasn't aged brilliantly. I'm sure it hasn't, but... Anyone listening, if you've never seen The Party, Peter Sellers, who is arguably one of the you know all-time great comedy actors, he... He's in a film where he says about four words in total, and it's just a man, it's set in the 60s, going around a party, causing trouble. And that's it, isn't it? And that's sort of it, yeah. but it's, it's just miraculous that a film like this exists. Do I, I think it should be number 23 on the all-time greatest films of... I mean, that's what I don't get. Why is that there? And some of the films we've just mentioned. Tootsie, I, I adore Tootsie. I, I, I think part there. of it is, is uh, I think there's a snobbishness, and I dare say, I think there's a, an element of that kind of Emperor's New Clothes kind of feeling. And I, I wonder if in 60, 70 years' time, critics will be looking back and going, oh... Ace Ventura, a classic of its time. You know, I, yeah. perhaps it's just a, a time thing. Well, you say that, and that's why at first I was pleased that there weren't really recent films because I hate it when like a film released yeah. last year is on uh, an all-time great list because sure. it's like, well, maybe we'll think of it differently in a few years. But for there to only be fifteen in the last, uh, sorry, only be ten in the last fifteen years is, I, I just think, what is there's something going on. There's something... I, I, I feel like audiences are so wise to everything now in terms of, like, nothing is a shock anymore. Like, after Ooh, Bridesmaids... To, to completely back you up, I rewatched The Hangover recently. Yeah. And when I saw that cinema, that was, like, that was proper uproarious comedy. Yeah. And then I rewatched it, and maybe it's because I know what's going to happen next. There is no shock value to that film whatsoever. Yeah. And once you take the shock away... Maybe that's the thing. Once you take the shock value away with a lot of these modern comedies... 
perhaps there's not that much comedy well, there. And also, like, it's not just about shots. I don't, I don't really agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but surprise, you know, like, uh, Borat was such a surprise because no one had done a film that was using real-life people being duped sure. in a feature film, and he took the shock factor really far. But also, like, Bridesmaid was a bit of a, a, a sort of benchmark um, because it was women doing comedy that previously they weren't kind of given the chance to do, like, you know, like, gross-out comedy and stuff. Uh, James has just had a heart. Falling off my chair. Off his chair. But do you know what I mean? It's like now, well, what's left? What are we gonna what are the things that are gonna surprise people where they feel like I've never seen that before? And that's what I think we're struggling with in comedy in a way that in other genres and other formats, like we're we're I think I think one pro- one problem is that there was a time where improv was the thing. It, it, that was very on vogue. So all the you had all the comedians and actors doing improv and they thought that that would be enough to see them through. And I think audiences and I certainly tired of that very quickly when yeah. it became apparent that not everyone can do improv. And and maybe we're maybe we're waiting maybe maybe we're at the stage where we're waiting for if this is if this is the uh, the the metal music of the 80s we're waiting for punk to smash it up maybe we're you know, for grunge to, to come yeah. along maybe we're waiting for something new in comedy to i think you so know, certainly break in, through. in certainly in uh, comedy films anyway in comedy, in and, comedy before, and before we wrap up because we are running out of time unfortunately Mel Brooks, obviously loads of films in there. Gene Wilder, just big shout out because I love him. Uh, the Pythons, there's loads of uh, Chaplin and there's some obvious ones. But And Reiner, which of course you and I have spoken about in sure. the past. Just what an amazing um, uh, catalogue of work he's got. But uh, what about John Landis? Now here's a man that has so... He, he's got like four of the greatest films of the 80s under his belt. Yep. And because of that... Terror. I mean, I can only imagine it's because of that thing that happened that he was never given the chance to do. Because he he should have, by rights, unless he's a terrible human being, and I don't know, he, he should cross- have been given the comeback he deserves because he was such an amazing director. So, so if, you, if you're at a computer, I've got your phone with you, um, just check out John Landis on IMDb and the the run that he had in the 1980s and then there was the the, the tragic accident that occurred on the, the the Twilight Zone movie where someone lost their life and he, his career never never yeah, recovered yeah. when he's interviewed he always comes across as a very charming gregarious talkative yeah. hyperactive do, guy doesn't he I saw him do a Q&A after a screening of the Blues Brothers but the fact that he did Animal House Trading Places, Blues Brothers, American to, Werewolf in London. American, it's not a comedy, but it was no, but that is a comedy. A, you know, it's a comedy horror, and it's what a movie. And coming to America, I mean, that's five. Surely, all five of those should be in this list. Anyway, James, got to wrap it up. Well, very uh, quickly, Trading Trading Places. I, I was really chuffed to see that on there. I'd put, yeah. probably my top five comedies ever. I think that's yeah, a properly hilarious film. Um, okay, so uh, thanks James. Um, uh, come back sometime soon, please. We're now going to play uh, the first choice of two songs from our guest today. He is Danny Morgan. He's a brilliant um, actor and writer. He's got a movie coming out uh, very soon called Double Date. It's uh, screening at the Fright Fest Festival this weekend. Uh, I urge you to go and see it because any independent film that gets made, people ha- have to support it. Uh, he's picked two songs. This is the first one from the film Sunshine, and this is Adagio in D. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. What a song. What a song. Well, I say a song, but it's actually a piece of music. Danny, you were just saying during that, we have Danny Morgan in the studio. Hello. You were just saying that you, you were thinking of writing some lyrics to that. Yeah. Um, oh, I was, I was going to prepare some sort of operatic yeah. uh, lyrics for that song. Because I think like all classical music, yeah. it can always be improved with a few lyrics. Some, some pop lyrics. Some pop lyrics, just yeah. about what's going on, what I'm seeing in the street. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. I think that would be really difficult to uh, like find <laughs> some lyrics that actually fit. It'd be like, oh, oh, oh. It, it just reminds me of whenever I hear that song, it re- just makes me think of a trailer for a film, like yeah. a really overly dramatic trailer. Like when it builds up, you can imagine two people sort of 
being torn apart and screaming don't leave me yeah. and it just all rising up and I love you and people crying and then everything explodes at the end <laughs> wow I don't know what that film is yeah, but it is sounds that? exciting it sounds like the end of Rogue One everything <laughs> just exploded at the end of, well spoiler oh god um, I, why did you pick that do you like the film or is it just the music or yeah um, so yeah when I saw uh, Sunshine which is where I first heard that song but mm. it's been used in a bunch of things uh, in, there's been different versions of it but that was the first one I heard was in uh, Danny Boyle's Sunshine and it was one of the only times I've been in the cinema and been genuinely on the edge of my seat and it's sort of towards the end and everything's yeah. falling apart and what's that Irish actor's name? Killian Murphy Killian Murphy yeah. he's got the bodysuit on and he's yeah. stumbling around the spaceship going <laughs> and he's dying and it's um, and there's that music in the background and I was almost stood up I was, and it was so loud and I just felt this is like a perfect bit of cinema score yeah so dramatic and so bombastic and yeah, it's rousing ki- it's kind of what makes that scene yeah in, in many ways I'm not sure Killian Murphy would like the impression you just did of him by the way you sounded more like <laughs> a bit more like um, what, what's his name from the Goonies um, <laughs> Uh, uh, I love the film Sunshine, and I know some people have a bit of an issue with it. Yeah, it uh, was kind of uh, it was kind of underrated, I think. Yeah, people liked it, but um, a lot of people said that the, the ending was rushed and that he wasn't he wasn't quite happy, and there was problems in the edit and stuff. But yeah, it did sort of like it was it it felt like a different take on that like people lost in space thing, and then at the end when there's this thing running around, yeah, it kind of was like oh, okay, we've seen this before which is the problem with so many films the thing the monster when you finally meet that thing the film either goes one or two ways you either go oh god that's just a guy in a rubbery mask yeah which ironically is what we've done in our film (laughs) Um, but we sort of made a joke of the fact that it looks a little bit low budget um don't you think that quite often we'll get to your film very very soon okay. um, don't you think that uh, quite often in films that try to subvert a genre that they end up becoming the very thing they're trying to subvert eventually at some point in the film anyway I was just saying that at a dinner party oh. no I'm joking <laughs> yeah I think that, I think it definitely that does happen it's so hard to because all, all the genres have been subverted and subverted again and it's so hard to do anything original, especially with something that's been done so many times, lost in space, yeah. trapped in space. Yeah. I remember with Kick-Ass, there was like, for the first two sort of um, thirds of the film, it was like, this was a really new, interesting take on the film. And then it just became another superhero film. It's like, yeah, for that yeah. third act to work, you've still got to just it's so sort tricky. of conform to all the... Yeah. Well, because you want people to leave satisfied. Yeah. You want people to leave going, oh, that was really good. That was fun. Not going, oh, that was just really weird. Yeah. I don't know what, what happened. Yeah. And what was that ending what about? That, what was that all about? Yeah. <laughs> all the monkeys came down. And well, so you have written and starring in a movie that is a sort of spin on a genre, but it's in a way it's two genres combined, right? Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about your film, Double Date? Yeah, well, it's two genres that have never been attempted to be brought together it's comedy and horror now I know that sounds insane (laughs) no one has ever tried this Dan Mm. it's crazy nobody in the world nobody I checked I went on the internet and it said no No. I just typed in has anyone done this and he went no mate go go for it I love that you've uh, (laughs) you've set your Siri to a cockney geezer (laughs) no Dan no mate no mate you're golden (laughs) you're golden crack on son Uh, Google which way to uh, to the cinema just bang a left ear will you Dan That would be a good sat-nav as well. Yeah, Bang a left would. ear, mate. Not yeah. that one, you can't. <laughs> Danny Dyer. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Someone must have that, right? Danny Someone. Dyer on the sat-nav. Yeah, yeah, they must have. Yeah. Oh, you've gone too far, you mug. You muppet. You absolute muppet. Yeah. Uh, he could make a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you, so you've done this thing that no one ever has done before. Never um, been attempted. You've combined comedy with <laughs> horror. What came yeah. first, the comedy or the horror? Oh, yeah. now we're getting philosophical. I don't mean, I don't mean in, in the history of the arts oh I right mean, I see in, in your Not a chicken preparation the for the
this movie. Why don't you actually tell us what the plot is first? And okay. Then we have a bit of context. Yeah. What. So yeah. So Double Date is a film that I've written and we've shot, and it's now in festivals and uh, hopefully getting released at the towards the end of this year. And it's a uh, comedy horror, roughly um, and very quickly summed up: two guys, two girls on the worst double date ever. And the central character who I play is called Jim, and he's incredibly nervous around women like he can't talk to women he's just terrified of it and so I had this idea well what if you had a character like that but the one night that he manages to conquer that fear mm-hmm. is the one night that women are actually trying to kill him okay. and so I liked that conceit and I thought well that's quite fun this isn't based on anything this isn't based on anything other than my crippling fear of women Um, okay well we'll get to that we'll get to that thank god (laughs) I really wanted to talk to someone about this this is the perfect platform okay this is a safe space space this is a safe space this is a safe place Um, I've gone a bit Ed Miliband now (laughs) do you remember that I am certainly tush enough (laughs) yeah that he he lost all his chances there (laughs) yeah his mouth stopped working so you have uh, uh, your character has a woman that's interested in him he can't believe his luck but it turns out that she's actually just trying to kill him it turns out the two female characters are serial killer sisters Mm -hmm. and the guy the two guys um, don't know that and they think they're gonna get lucky Mm -hmm. and the girls are actually trying to lure them back to kill them as part of this bigger backstory that becomes clear as the film goes on but basically they're trying to kill these guys and the guys think they're getting laid so that's the joke that I managed to drag out for an hour and a half and you actually managed to come up with a title that does what it says on the tin without it sounding like an awfully crude does what it says on yeah the, says what it, I know what you mean uh, what yeah. like bad uh, husbands ba- bad or something or yeah whatever naughty granddad yeah. no it's it's not <laughs> <laughs> hey I like that <laughs> naughty granddad you know you've got your next film there no yeah. what, what didn't De Niro do yeah a dirty, gr- dirty grandpa dirty grandpa come dirty. on Bob what are you doing <laughs> I don't know oh my god he's ruining all of her I mean, I don't, I don't mind that he does all these comedies and stuff, but he's now got to the point where he's now made more bad films than good films. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the turning point was so long ago that you can almost yeah. not really remember him being good. No. And I didn't see it. I saw the trailer for but Dirty Grandpa, and I, well, wow. And then the reviews. <sighs> I haven't seen it, so I can't, I can't say anything. Let's just presume but. it's awful. Well, okay, and that's a positive attitude. <laughs> I hope that, that uh, I hope you encourage that for your own work. Yeah, I was talking about double day then. <laughs> so um, you 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 came up with this idea. It's not at all based on your real uh, personal life. Yeah. Um, and at what point did did you pitch the idea? Because it is a. I have to say, congratulations both Thanks, on mate. the film. I've seen the film, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. But also just in getting a film made that oh, will be in cinemas. You know, like even if you get into two cinemas in this day and age with yeah. an indie film, it's a it's a just a, it's a miraculous thing. So congratulations yeah. twofold. Thank you. Um, uh, uh, so for people out there who are um, crazy enough to want to even think about trying to make an independent movie, what was the process? Did someone approach you? Did you pitch cold pitch? Like what was the thing? I mean, it was a long process. I started writing this when I was eight, and I'm 34. No, it, it feels like that. <laughs> the problem is, is that, that, you know, that's not actually ridiculous. <laughs> I know, it you takes know? that long. I mean, Edgar Wright, who's just made a film that he said he's had in his head for yeah. 16 years or yeah. something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, that isn't as preposterous. Oh, mate, well, I've, as heard, I've heard horror stories about people trying to get films made, and it's just been, they call it um, development hell. Yeah. Uh, and it just it can just drag on and on. And I thought I had it bad. I mean, we were developing for about maybe six years before we got it shot. I mean, that's from me first sitting down to start writing it okay. to it actually being shot. And then I was going, oh, my God, it took six years. But then I was talking to people going, I've been trying to make a film for 20 years. Yeah. Shut up. Like, it's yeah. great. Just enjoy it. But at what point does it go from some, you know, admirable that they're still pushing and they, they haven't given up on the dream to what a pathetic, delusional <laughs> idiot. Yeah. Just let go, mate. Let go. <laughs> it ain't happening. At what point does it go from that to that? That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, it's true. It's so hard because on the one hand, all you hear is don't give up. And no matter how much um, rejection you get, just don't give up. And then on the other hand, it's like you should really give up. You should think about you should give up. You're 90. Yeah. And you, it's, this film is about 
I wonder if there is someone who's like in their eighties or something who has all, from when he was like fifteen wanted to be mm. a film director has never made a film but still calls himself a film director. Yeah, I bet there is, oh, will, and he's just going one of these days. One of these days, I'll prove them all wrong, <laughs> and then it's over. It's called Star Wars. <laughs> Something's been done, mate. Uh, uh, yeah, that would be a bummer, wouldn't, wouldn't it? it? And you go, what's it about, mate? And it's yeah. about Jedi. Oh, someone got there, mate. <laughs> Someone got there. Oh, well, anyway, oh, sleep God, well. I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. you had the idea. Did you approach a producer? Yeah. So I had a really rough first draft. I know the answer to this, but, you know, because I know the producer you work yeah, with. Yeah, but we'll pretend you, well, you don't. Yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing the professional thing. Yeah, so I met randomly. I woke up one day with a really bad hangover and I had... What? Randomly, no, not randomly. You had that, drunk there the was night a, before. Yeah, yeah. No, there was a reason for that. This isn't a date rape story. Yeah, oh, this, okay. isn't, this isn't going to get really dark. Okay, good. So I woke up one day when I had a business card in my wallet that said Matt Wilkinson, film producer, and I had no recollection of meeting this guy at all. Are you sure this isn't? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might be. We've yeah. never. I've never actually spoken to Matt about, about it. it. Yeah, so, he did uh, hover around my drink a lot. Yeah, there was a, there's a lot of grooming in the uh, in showbiz. So. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so anyway, I found this business card and plucked up the strength a couple of days later to write him an email going, hey, Matt, I, I don't know if I know you or what, who you are, but I've written a script and would you like to read it? And then he came back and basically said, yeah, Danny, a double date and reeled off the entire plot to me. So I was like, oh, we spoke about this. And he said, yeah, for about two hours. Wow. I know. I, this is, this, I mean, really what this story is about is that like I shouldn't drink as much. Or that you just have terrible, terrible memory. Yeah. It's, I've either got Alzheimer's yeah. or I'm an alcoholic. This okay. story is not fun. No. By the way, I think we've offended people of all, like, uh, we've offended people with Alzheimer's, yeah. people that have been date raped. I mean, this is... <laughs> A, oh, the elderly. The elderly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, do, you're I'm doing, doing all right. How long? You, how, well, five I, minutes in. I wondered in. what that list was you're ticking off there. <laughs> I just, I, I just see all the right. Okay. Well, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't want to go further down that list. No, you don't. We want, will get you don't killed. like those guys. <laughs> no, I don't. No, either. I like them. Oh, you? Yeah, I me like too. Them. I like them. They're all right. So he obviously thought it was a good idea because you wanted to. He wanted to pursue it, right? Or, yeah. yeah. So basically, he saw uh, enough potential in this first draft even though it was a mess I didn't know how to write I hadn't written anything before but I had this idea and wrote it out and he said there's something there I'm going to help you with it and then spent about a year developing it with me and basically giving me a free crash course in writing which was amazing taught me all about structure and all this stuff and so then we honed it for a couple of years. Then when we were happy to start showing it to people, Matt optioned it and then started showing it around, trying to raise money. Then another couple of years passed. I'm constantly rewriting. And you go through periods of like, Why am I, this is so pointless. Why am I bothering with this? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a very patient person. So when Matt would say, we're going to do rewrite number 25 now. And I would just, I'd just say, no, no, I'm not doing that. Presumably you want to know that, you know, you've done so many rewrites. Is this extra rewrite going to actually get us the, sh- the yeah. film made? I mean, yeah. like, am I doing this for a reason or is it just... <laughs> is it, am I just stuck in a never-ending do loop? You, do you just love people re- <laughs> rearranging words? Well, there were times where I thought Matt wasn't a producer and he was just a really lonely man that yeah. I'd met in the toilets. <laughs> well, it sounds a bit <laughs> like that. It, honestly. It and at what bit. point did you meet Ben, the director, and he come on board? Because I know that you guys have done a, a few things like shorts and stuff together and pilots and things. I just presumed actually he was there quite early on in the process as well. Actually, no. The whole time, me and Ben, Ben Barfoot, um, the director, we were making these short films, sticking them up on YouTube, and no one was really seeing them, but we were really enjoying just pissing about. Ben would literally just turn up at my flat with a camera and we'd have a vague idea of what we were going to do and then we'd just go off and shoot it. Mm-hmm. And what was amazing is that Ben... Originally, he was an editor, like that's his day job, and he's a brilliant editor. So he could make something that cost nothing look like it, you know, it was quite a decent quality. Yeah, yeah. So we made this thing called Where Did It All Go Ron, which you can find on YouTube. It's about a 30 year old alcoholic, drug addicted Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter franchise. And. It- <laughs> 
and and you and art has now imitated life yes yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so pretty much actually well that was the thing we were shoot we shot it in my flat and the whole the basic story is that ron has invited harry and hermione to come to his birthday party but they blow him out they don't talk to him anymore and he's really sad and so he gets drunk by himself and it was just me drinking vodka in my flat and pretending to be ron weasley and then in the end he puts his wand in his mouth and blows his brains out so it was quite dark and twisted and some people found it very upsetting but me and ben thought it was very funny so we did you get like young harry potter fans that felt like you were ruining everything for them <laughs> actually we didn't because no one really saw it no. so you played ron weasley and you have georgia groom in your movie she is in a relationship with not Ron Weasley. Cause no, because we he's, he's fictional. Yeah. yeah. But with the actor that played him. Rupert Grint. Does she yeah. know about these shorts? Have you told her? <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> well, weirdly, when we met Georgia, yeah. sort of auditioned her, we had no idea about her relationship yeah. with Rupert. And so she came in for a meeting and she said to Ben, so I looked at some of your shorts and I saw the Ron Weasley one. And Ben was like, oh, okay, cool. And she said, oh, yeah, it's good. And then she said, you know I'm going out with Rupert Grint. And there was this horrible moment of like, oh God, Where she's just this? come here to, to like <laughs> she, slap us. Oh, I lo I'd love it if that was the case. If she was said to her agent, get me an audition because <laughs> I need to get to those fuckers <laughs> and I need to tell them that that isn't funny. That you not cannot all. do that with the, 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 <laughs> the legacy of his work. Yeah, but luckily... She um, hadn't gone to those lengths Luckily, to do she that. hadn't done yeah. that. It wasn't just a massive thing to get back at us. She, she said she really liked it, and she said, oh, yeah, me and Rupert were lying in bed last night watching it, and we both laughed. We loved it, and so we thought, okay, she's cool. You also have in the movie Michael Soccer, mm -hmm. Kelly Wenham, who I know. This is an interesting thing I was thinking about the other day. I was like, I can't imagine anyone other than Michael Soccer playing that part. He so owns that role. Yeah. And yet I know the history of this film that you'd actually written it for Dan Taylor. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then because of scheduling and stuff, he couldn't do it. So yeah. was that difficult in your head to get your head around someone else playing that role yeah oh yeah it was i mean actually weirdly originally the, the part was written as a sort of cocky loudmouth northerner which is what we ended up with in the end with michael yeah, yeah right this was ages ago and we we thought we had this idea about daniel lawrence taylor who's yeah. a mutual friend of ours very yeah, funny yeah. guy we thought well maybe he could play alex and then when we had the idea we were like oh okay that's cool and then because i know sort daniel, going against type going totally yeah. against type yeah. he's such a nice sweet guy yeah but he's also very charming mm -hmm. um so i could get well. him to, yeah he's a bit of a dick <laughs> but um he's He's very charming, and I knew I could get him to say quite horrible things, and he's just got, like, that cheeky smile, yeah, and he'd be yeah. able to get away with it. So I sort of went back and rewrote the part for Daniel. Mm -hmm. And then the selfish bastard pulled out. About a few weeks before we were started shooting, he... Um, it's called The 11th Hour, I believe. The 11th Hour, mate. Yeah. Oh, my God. But he was absolutely gutted, and we were both... Like, we were all gutted because we'd shot a little teaser trailer, yeah. and everything was set up, we were ready to go, and then he was... Basically, he was given his own sitcom mm -hmm. uh, for ITV2, which is coming out soon, called Time Wasters, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. He, which he's written and he stars in, so it was a huge thing for him. You know, it's a mass, it was a massive job, and all we were doing was making a little independent film, and he was playing the dick character. It was totally understandable that he'd want to take his own massive yeah. opportunity. So Daniel was out, and we had about three weeks to find Alex. And the problem is because uh, Alex plays my best friend in the film, so we wanted that relationship to be really authentic. Yeah. And I was like, shit, how, where are we going to find someone to manifest that in a couple of weeks? We had this brilliant casting director called Anna Kennedy. At first, we were almost looking for a replacement of uh, like a Daniel Type 2. Yeah. And um, we went through all black funny men around the age of 30 in the country. And we, and we were just like, I think the only way to do this is to take a complete right turn and take the character somewhere completely different. And Anna suggested Michael Soccer. And I didn't, I'd seen him in a couple of things and I liked him in it. He had a very sort of raw real mm -hmm. feel to him and I'd seen some interviews where he was chatting up the interviewer and I was like oh okay he's got that Jack the Lad thing about him and uh, he came in for a, a meeting he met me Ben and Matt and this is now a legendary meeting to us nobody else cares but this was a week before we started shooting by the way 
So we really didn't have much of a choice. It was either going to be Michael or me in a wig of split screen. I love that I wasn't even called for this. <laughs> Sorry, <part>. obviously Dan <laughs> Clark and then me in a wig. Yeah, I love that you in a wig <laughs> would, would have been a better option than calling me up. I'm sorry, Dan. Actually, I, I would have liked to seen that. Film. <laughs> me, just me, like Eddie Murphy, clumps yeah. in it, <laughs> playing, playing all the parts. Danny Morgan and Danny Morgan double date the clumps. <laughs> but we were a week. Yeah, we had a week to go. Michael comes into this meeting with me, Ben, and Matt. He comes in. He's sweating. He's hungover. He's hanging out his ass. He comes into. He probably doesn't like me telling this story, by the way, and I'm sure his agent doesn't. <laughs> But we're telling it anyway. He came into the meeting. He was like, oh, oh lads, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm, uh, I was up last night. I, I almost completely forgot about this, to be honest. <laughs> so that's not a great thing to say in most meetings. But surely part of your brain's going, I think we've found our man mate, already. Mate. We Before he'd even spoken. He said about three words and we all looked, like glanced at each other and went, Shit, this is him. This yeah. is Alex. Because he was just wearing this dirty old white T-shirt. He's walked in and went, oh, yeah, no, I was out. I'm sorry. But anyway, look, I love, I love the script. Like, I love the script. And he started chatting about it, and he was really into it. And then about halfway through the meeting, he looks down at his T-shirt, and he, it's inside out. And he goes, oh, for fuck, hold on a minute. And he rips, he takes off his T-shirt in the middle of the meeting, yeah. turns it the right way round, puts it back on, and goes, right, where were we? And just cracks on. I was like, so this is a meeting with three strangers. You've this come in... You've taken your shirt off, completely ballsy, just didn't care. And so we and knew. you were just absolutely mesmerised by his abs. I was staring at his <laughs> man boobs. I couldn't believe it. Uh, we just, we knew straight away. Yeah. We were just like, that's Alex. That. Before we move on to some other stuff, I thought, um, like, the actual tone of the film, I, I think um, I think it's a surprising tone, actually, because I w- couldn't believe how, like, it's really funny, but it's also really violent I know, as well. I I spoke to you after the screening, and like, the first thing you went was, went, mate... It's really violent. You looked, you're a bit white, a bit pale. I, I am like, a, I'm a bit, you know. A bit um, squeamish. Yeah, a bit squeamish. But also, like, I wasn't expecting it to, yeah. even though, like, I know people involved in the show, and uh, show in the in the film, and, uh, and I, I'd read the script, so I knew, but I just didn't know you were going to go that real and that, that violent. And, yeah. um, and I think that's great, like, especially because you start quite dark, and then in come the two goons <laughs> who don't really know what they're about to get into. Yeah. A lot of horror comedy don't always go that sort of aggressive in the horror element of it there's yeah. a sort of even the, the horror is a bit funny in a way but there's bits of this where it's like oh my god that, yeah that was like yeah that, it was a definite decision me and ben we like our humor is very dark you know and and the, it, we like stuff we like really violent things and mm. so we always knew we wanted the two worlds to be total polar opposites so the guys were very kind of comedy world and the girls characters the girls scenes sorry we wanted to be really brutal like really really brutal so that like exactly like you say when you cut to the guys you get a laugh just from that cut yeah yeah because you're going oh my god these idiots are literally walking into hell with an erection yeah oh there's a thought (laughs) (laughs) wow I mean if I'm going to hell yeah that's how I'm going yeah but what if that's then permanent um, oh god yeah okay on fire this what is, this is so strange this has got weird so uh, basically we knew we wanted especially Kelly Wenham's character Kitty she's the psycho yeah she's our Mike Myers she's our Freddy Krueger in the film she's our monster and you need a good villain I mean I was terrified yeah <laughs> yeah I can imagine yeah I can I mean, imagine I mean and that scene I have to say even though I've just said that the, the, the violence is quite uh, real and, and, and frightening and then the comedies they're kind of like opposites but the tone does work it really it isn't like there isn't an awkward shift but one of the moments where the violence is really brutal but also still funny was the big fight sequence yes with Kelly and uh, Michael because it's that that like all comedians would talk about the like the, the joke where you just rinse it you just keep going and then yep. it stops being funny and then it carries on and you're like and then it becomes funny again because you're like really this is still happening <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it's got to, it's, it's got to be up there with like the blues brothers car chase that goes on forever yeah this is like a fight that just goes on for like i mean it must be about eight or nine minutes it's or probably a, it's probably altogether a close to 10 minutes yeah which in a 90 minute film you're talking about as a ninth of your <laughs> film it's just two people fighting in a room 
so you've got two screenings or one screening coming up at Fright Fest is it one or two so we've got two screenings uh, this Sunday 27th at Fright Fest which is in Leicester Square in Leicester Square in London and how can people get tickets for that just Google so if you go on if you Google Fright Fest double date it will take you right to it there's tickets left for the 4pm screening mm-hmm. there's about I think there's about 60 or so tickets left and we'd really and love to it's a 60 seater it's a 60 seater <laughs> it's actually 59 no, it's but the, the, you're in a big screen aren't you yeah yeah yeah, one, of the screen, one of the screenings which sold out is like a 700-seater yeah. IMAX. That's amazing. I know. I wish I was coming to that one. I know, mate. Coming oh, to the smaller I one. I know. All my friends were like, why aren't we going to that? Yeah. But I think they literally gave it to the yeah, right. to the weekend pass holders. And if you haven't, if people listening haven't been to Fright Fest, you've got to go. It's a really fun... I'm not even like a massive horror fan, but... They Have you are, been before? I've, been to, I've, seen a, I've seen a film at Fright Fest, and it's yeah. really fun. The yeah. audience really get into it, and there's a cheering and applause, and, and it's really good fun. I can imagine this guy down so well oh, and then you've so. got uh, distribution hopefully in October November or something. yeah the plan the loose plan at the moment is October 13th um, on about 80 screens across the country in That's sort amazing. of all the major cities so well, good luck with that thank you I very much I just also want to talk to you quickly because I've never chatted to you about this because uh, you've done a few other films and, and you've had lots of regular parts in TV shows and stuff but you were in the film On the Road which is the adaptation of the um, Jack Kerouac book was it a literal I've, I've not actually seen it was it a literal um, this interview's over okay I, I, I was told you would watch I do, everything I, I do no research whatsoever it's okay. my policy <laughs> it's a good policy <laughs> I need to find out in the moment <laughs> yeah no I am ashamed but uh, I'm also busy it sort of came and went which is a shame because what an incredible cast oh, and it does look like it was shot beautifully yeah it must have been such an amazing experience it was crazy where it, did you shoot it all over the world I mean it was mental because it, it's set in sort of 40s America yeah but obviously that doesn't exist anymore because there's Starbucks everywhere and stuff so you need they need to find places in the world that looked a bit like how America looked back in that day we were shooting in Mexico Argentina San Francisco which is America isn't it mostly set all up in like Big Sur and San Fran and that sort of area yeah they sort of they they move around but we were literally in the mountains of Argentina at one point and was this your first big my first part in a film what an, what an introduction you're flying around the world you're working with like Kristen Stewart's uh, Viggo Mortensen's in it right yeah Viggo Mortensen and, uh, and Steve Buscemi S- and Steve Buscemi it was Elizabeth mental Elizabeth Moss all these amazing I actors played her, I played her husband Elizabeth Moss's yeah. husband and I didn't know who she was I hadn't seen Mad at the time I hadn't seen Mad Men yet yeah and then I started watching Mad Men. And you were like, holy shit. I was like, shit. oh my God, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I've been stood next to her mugging for the past five days. Going, um, Elizabeth, could you get me a coffee? <laughs> Excuse me, darling. Are you a runner? <laughs> the cast was amazing. And it was one of those things where you just got an audition through in London. Yeah. This uh, casting director called Kate Dowd. She's just her in a little room with a camcorder and you thought oh no it's this Matt Wilkinson thing again <laughs> yeah, Matt wake up with a hangover <laughs> and no memory of this Matt popped out of a cupboard <laughs> hello uh, Matt's not a creepy guy no, by the way I painted him as this really yeah, no, creepy date rapist but um, yeah and you presumably think well nothing will come of that and yeah. then the next thing you know you're in Absolutely. All right, and you went to Cannes, and, and it went to Cannes. Uh, yeah, it was in competition at Cannes. So I walked down the red carpet in a Prada suit that had just been given to me. I had no idea what I was doing. They took me to Prada and got me measured up for this suit. Yeah. And I said, "Excuse me, so what do I, when do I bring this back?" And they were going, "Oh no, sir, this is just for you." So it's I've still got it. So have it's you worth ever a, worn it again? Yeah, at any opportunity I get, <laughs> I stick this Prada tux on. It today. <laughs> I should have done yeah, for the pictures. Done. That would look cool. Oh, that sounds like an amazing experience. It was. Well, listen, let's round off with we always get our guests to pick a guilty pleasure because obviously we mm. talk a lot about their work and the things that they like and their influences. But we also like to know what is out there that they they secretly love, and it mm. won't be a secret for long. Actually, I don't think your one that you've picked is like. A really bad guilty pleasure? No, it's not. But why don't you tell everyone what you've picked? So my guilty pleasure is the American Pie films. You're you're right. It's not a really, really guilty pleasure because I think a lot of people do openly like them. I think definitely the first one people think of as... A pretty good comedy movie. A pretty good comedy, yeah. Yeah. I think it it was... uh, I was about 16 um, when those films started coming out. And to me, they were just about having a good time just being really stupid and like I think 
when gross out comedy is done well yeah. it can be amazing and yeah, it can yeah. be some of the biggest laughs you'll ever have 100% yeah. but it, it you know it can be done really badly but you know American Pie when you know the, the famous pie scene for example mm-hmm and Eugene Levy coming <laughs> and talking to him afterwards and just saying, we'll just tell your mother we ate it all. <laughs> like, and he's s- sat there and there's a mashed pie next to him. Yeah, the, It's really stupid, obviously, but it's kind of beautifully done. Um, and and it's just, if it's performed well and... I don't know. I, there's something about those films that just reminds me of being 16. Do you like even the... Like, the, the fifth and sixth sequel like no the, I'm only when they started becoming colon something like yeah, American colon. Pie on a boat American <laughs> Pie in space yeah. no um, they, yeah no not that I only I'm only counting one to three okay and even three I only really oh no actually the reunion yeah I didn't mind I was because okay. I wanted to see them again I was like oh, the guys are back Stifler's back <laughs> I wanted to st- yeah. you know why are we so fascinated with like seeing people age a bit and like yeah. the nostalgia and it is total nostalgia yeah. it's total nostalgia actually that reminds me this is going off topic now, but did you see the train spotting too? I did, yeah. What did you What did you think? How We've did you had, feel I've about had it? Some, you talked about this. Well, yeah, we, we we had a guest, Richard Gad, who picked uh, something to do with train spotting. So we got talking about it. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I adore the first film. It's one of you know. I think it's a, a genuinely amazing piece of filmmaking. But the second one, I was a bit. It's a bit sort of. It all feels a bit like a sort of soap mm. or I don't know like just yeah. the fact that it became so about the plot was a little bit hokey I don't know but I, I still enjoyed it and maybe yeah. it was just because of the nostalgia and I'm a huge Danny Boyle fan and me too yeah and I like all those actors so much and there were some good bits of it it's just I just I don't know didn't it wasn't yeah I know exactly what you mean for the first half I was like oh I'm quite enjoying this seeing these guys again they're a bit older a bit fatter they're making jokes about it and then towards the end I just had this horrible emptiness I I was like I felt oh my god we're all I had this like existential crisis on the way out I was like god we're all just gonna get old and die and now the train spotting guys are like middle aged and you know Wow, I, I felt really I sad. Yeah, it didn't quite have that. Effect. Did it not? I was just a bit like <laughs> criticizing the structure of the movie, but you know, <laughs> maybe I had my own issues going into that one. Yeah, it but was. yeah. So anyway, but tra- uh, the American Pie films, I still go back and uh, watch them, and I'll have a bloody good time, Dan. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, if like there's a history of those sort of um, Animal House, Porkies. Yeah, there's something kind of charming about them yeah absolutely that makes me sound like a sort of old man (laughs) they're quite charming these (laughs) idiotic (laughs) movies I've seen some of these comedies I mean yeah well look um, thanks for coming in and talking to us good luck with the film Uh, I really hope uh, it goes well and um, we're going to play out your second choice of uh, music which is from a a band I'm a massive fan of oh great me too and I remember reading your script and seeing that in there and then when I went to the screening I was like oh they actually got the song did you have to contact the band yeah well luckily I sort of know Scott randomly yeah um, it's sort of a weird story but anyway I had a connection with him and then I met him Scott from Frightened Rabbit Scott from Frightened Rabbit yeah uh, and um, we basically just contacted him and he said yeah you can use anything you want um, but it will cost you two million pounds. But it will cost you two mil. <laughs> yeah. And no, he gave it to us dirt cheap. And that, that weirdly, like you say, that was the one of the only things that remained the same from the very first draft was I was like, that song plays at the yeah. end of the film. And Matt and Ben were like, they knew they couldn't touch that. And I was like, that's happening. I love that. More than the characters. I didn't give a shit about the characters or the story. I was like, this film ends Look, if we make a film that's three minutes long (laughs) and it's just that song playing over credits, I'm happy. I could just be swaying. Well, it is a brilliant song. I I adore this band. I think they're amazing. And he's got such a unique voice and a lyric style. And um, and I love it when I hear a a great song in a film. And uh, this is a brilliant choice. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Danny. Good luck. Cheers. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes.